one of the hardest parts about starting or operating your own business, at least for me, was getting myself organized, figuring out you know, what I needed to organize, what priorities were, even some of the tools and resources and systems to put in place to get myself organized. In this episode, we have a legit engineer slash project manager who has found himself in the world of e-com and he's breaking down some of the most high level and immediately executable plans to put systems in place in your business. It's going to be a good episode. Stick around to the end. Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. So as I've been able to dive into the entrepreneurial world myself, as well as get to witness a lot of other entrepreneurs and side hustlers and all of us kind of crazy, out-of-the-box thinkers, one thing that I've noticed that many of us have in common is we're very, very good strategically and we're very good visionaries, but being organized is one of the biggest weaknesses that we have. I'll definitely say that about myself. If I could actually organize myself and create systems and procedures for everything that I think should happen where I could actually get them done, (laughs) things would be a lot better for me. Luckily, there are people in this world that are just better at some things than I am, and they're willing to come on to podcasts like this and share some of that experience. And that describes our guest today. His name is Mina Elias, and he actually, I guess you could say, founded this whole Amazon e-commerce thing by accident, coming from an actual professional role as a project manager. So this episode today, we're going to hear about his story, how he got started in e-commerce. And he, it, like right before we started recording, he was telling me all these things he wants to share about how he manages projects and how he built his SOPs and how he hired VAs and like probably way more than we'll be able to get to in this episode, but we'll give it a good shot. So welcome, Mina, to the show. Thank you, man, for having me. It's uh, awesome to be on. I'm a big fan of the show. I've listened to, I think way before when I first started Amazon, I, um, you know, I typed an Amazon podcast and this was one of the biggest ones I listened to. Yep. It was, I've told people before, it was the first one that I was actually ever interviewed on. So sometimes it still feels surreal that, that now I'm the host of it, but it's pretty cool stuff. So you were essentially uh, not a construction worker, but you worked for a construction company, right? And um, kind of give me the, the history of how you got into that. Like, how did you become a professional project manager? So it's crazy, right? Because my degree is in chemical engineering and chemistry and my master's in industrial engineering. So I uh, I started out in that field, chemical engineering. I worked for a massive surgical devices company, uh, but it was very, very like when you're when you work for a company that big, you're you're they gave me a room and they said, this is that's it. You know, you work on this machine and this project and, and that's that. So you kind of are very, very small and doing the same thing kind of over and over again. I, um, I then out of like desperation moved to a different job and that job, uh, was not uh, chemical engineering it was, uh, mechanical engineering, but it was more of a project engineering, uh, position, which is when I got a taste of, uh, project management. And I liked that a lot because every day was different. There was a lot of issues coming up. I'm a huge problem solver, all entrepreneurs, obviously problem solvers. So I loved the fact that every day I would come in and, uh, and, you know, just do something different. And it was like, okay, what's going on here? Like, let's tackle this. Uh, that company, uh, closed its doors. So 
Um, I was I was not a, a in a great mindset at the time. I was a little bit of a victim. I had a victim mentality, and so I haphazardly applied to a bunch of jobs. Uh, no one, I didn't get any offers except for that one job, and it was a project manager in construction. But the, the funny thing is, after I interviewed on the spot, she said, "Okay, how much do you want to get paid? What do you want? Like, what are your requests?" And when I said yes, she said, "Okay." Oh, I'm offering you a position right now. So kind of was like a, almost like a quote unquote sign that this was like, I was on the right path. That's how I ended up in construction. It was kind of like the, uh, you know, the only option that I had at the time, I can't really stay unemployed, uh, for long, like, you know, one week, two weeks before getting another job because obviously bills and everything and student loans. Um, so I kind of settled for that job, but again, they, they said, yeah, we'll give you everything you want. So I said, okay, mate, this is perfect. And that's how I got into the project uh, management uh, position for construction. I started out not knowing anything about construction and I worked my way up to managing 12 million in projects. So, uh, you know, very quick progression. Uh, I, I was uh, kind of like one of their top performing project engineers. I would close, uh, you know, on payments and everything real fast. I managed projects super tight and that kind of became a strength is staying on top of everyone. Uh, I was managing my projects and I was assisting other project managers and managing their projects. So really quickly developed, uh, you know, very strong organizational, uh, you know, skills. And I know that different professions have different stereotypes and stereotype of engineers is you guys are like super anal retentive, yeah, right? I, I know there's exceptions to the rules, but I, you know, I have a lot of engineers around me and they are some of the most just ridiculously stringent, organized, you know, anal people I've ever met, which is great because we need those people. You know, I don't want a lack of organization, lack of attention to detail with my doctors, my lawyers, my accountants, or the engineers, you know, like that has to happen. But I didn't know you're an engineer until you just said that. And that makes a lot of sense and kind of, in my mind, adds a lot, of a lot of credibility to this idea of being a systems engineer slash project manager slash someone that can set up systems for a business. So you're working construction, you're operating these, these projects, what next? So I, you know, at, at that point, grew in the company, and uh, you know, the the boss, the owner of the company, it was a smaller company, and uh, she's like, hey, you know, would you, you know, see yourself in my position in the next ten years? And obviously, like anyone else would say, I said, yeah, for sure. Uh, but you know, driving home, I was like, man, I hate this life. I, I like, I really hate it. I was in Connecticut. It was, I would come into work. It's dark. I would leave work. It's dark. It's cold. Uh, 45 minute commute each way. I was waking up at 4:30 in the morning, going to bed at 9:30. I felt like, you know, kind of my soul uh, was like deteriorating. My my life was just like flying by. Like it's just completely wasted on on just a wasted life. And um, I said, there's no way I can keep doing this. And uh, I flew out to Egypt. Uh, for vacation. It was my yearly vacation. And, and, you know, I was obviously in those times when you're not thinking about anything, you know, you're just in the moment with your parents and eating and stuff. That's really when the ideas start coming out. And I knew I just like, I'm like, I'm ready for, for something. I, I don't know what it is, but I know that I've been an engineer. And then from this engineer to that engineer, it's just the same, more of the same. I don't see myself like this is a dead end for me. And uh, there was a conversation with my dad where I was looking at supplements and he asked me, he's like, why don't you start a supplement brand? And I thought it was too expensive. And then he said, okay, how expensive, how much? And that really sparked, okay, let's go dive deep, figure out how much it actually costs. And when I realized you can make supplements for five bucks and sell them for 25, 30 
obviously, you know, didn't know that there was all the costs involved in, you know, e-commerce and marketing, whatever. I was like, that's a no brainer, right? You can, you can flip it pretty much. Um, and that's what sparked uh, me getting into the supplement. I, I created a supplement brand. I, I was like, this is a supplement that I know I can use. I tested it on myself, tested it on my teammates. They all said it was amazing. And uh, I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to start a supplement brand. I had no idea how to sell supplements. I knew how to make supplements. I, I, I could tell you I'm the best at making supplements uh, because, you know, it's kind of my passion. I've been addicted to supplements since I was a kid, but I had no idea how to be an entrepreneur. I had no idea how to sell. I was embarrassed to ask people for money for my product. Like when people, when I put it up at the gym the first day, I put up like 10 and people were like, hey man, how much is this? And I was just very shy to say like you, 15 bucks. Like I, it was it was difficult for me because I... In a professional sense, I you know asking for money is easy. I have like the, the you know the schedule of values. I say, hey man, we completed a, a hundred feet of pipe. Uh, each pipe is worth the sixty bucks at six whatever six grand. Like please give it to me. It's it was that simple when I was in construction. But when you go into it's like me and you, and I'm like you're like hey man, can I buy one? And I'm like yeah, it's fifteen dollars. It just feels so weird. I feel like I should just give it to you for free, and so you know, kind of had to learn that, uh, uh, you know, the hard way, become a better uh, salesperson. And that's kind of where my entrepreneur journey started. I started selling um, door to door, uh, gym to gym, uh, store to store. And it was horrible. Uh, I wasn't, I mean, people were taking one or two. Some of them were like, "Ah, I don't know. And I, you know, how could you blame them if you put my product next to the products that are, you know, $100 million businesses? uh, It looked horrible. And, but I'm like, why am I even doing this? You know, uh, I buy everything on Amazon. And, um, the kind of the, the final, uh, thing was when I was at a event, my first event, it was an MMA event and I had a booth and, um, this was like two weeks after starting the business. I was at an event. I had like 40 uh, products and people bought 25 people bought and they're like, where can I buy this? And in, in my mind, the answers were like, Tell them to send you an email. Stupid. That's stupid. Stop saying that. Uh, tell them to go to a store. Dude, they're two hours away from from Connecticut. Stop saying that. And I was like, okay, it's going to be on Amazon, uh, you know, later, like soon. And uh, I just pretty much lied. And I was like, all right, I got I to gotta get it on Amazon then because all of the other answers were so stupid uh, that I like was embarrassed of myself. Like I didn't even have a checkout button on my website at the time. So... This is still a side hustle for you. You're working construction. You know this isn't what you want to do forever. Your dad motivates you to get off your butt and start something. So because you, you know, were a chemical engineer and you have a passion for this stuff, you had the ability to make a good product, but you didn't know how to sell it. So you're going door to door, gym to gym, setting up tables, and you basically overcommitted to Amazon and realized I have to figure out how to sell this on Amazon. So this is like two weeks into your official launch. Are you still working as a construction project manager at the time? Yeah, yeah, full time. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, like I'm working on my business uh, early in the morning uh, when I'm in the bathroom, uh, you know, when I, right after work, uh, between be, between like work and gym, right after the gym, weekends, early, like I wake up early morning. I was waking up at 4.30. So on the weekends, I wake up at 6, 6 to 12 I already, six hours of working. And then, you know, maybe go for a bite, uh, you know, go to training, whatever, come back, work some more. So I was just any open second in the day. It, it was kind of like this was the the light, you know, you know, the light where it's like that little glimmering light. And you're like, you know, l- let me just run in that direction because maybe that's my way out of, of this 
horrible, depressing life that I was living. And honestly, like, let's look at it objectively. I was living a beautiful life. I, I was a, an engineer getting paid a lot of money, um, you know, and, and but I just I was very unhappy. And so just, you know, a lot of people say money doesn't buy happiness and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, I, I can see it from that point is like I had a good job and, and I was paying me money. I had a, a how like not a house, but I was living in a, a house and everything. I had a car, but I was very unhappy with my life because I wasn't doing anything that was you know, fueling me or, or that I was passionate about. So, um, that's kind of like why I put every waking uh, moment into the businesses because it was at least a hope that I could get out of, of this life. And you at some point decided to resign from your position as a project manager. I was fired. You were yeah. fired. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about six, that. So six months into starting the business, I got fired. Um, I don't know. They didn't give me a reason. Um, you know, they, they, but I, I mean, I was spending time at work where I, I was, I was, I'm a person that gives it 110% all day, every day. And so I went from giving 110% to just whatever is the bare minimum to get my job done. I was doing that. I wasn't asking questions. I wasn't you know, saying, here's an initiative, like, let's do this. This will help. I was just like, yep, sure. Yeah, it's done. It's done. Good. Um, I was kind of over it. And I think six months in there, they realized like this person doesn't care anymore. Uh, I don't know. They never gave me an answer, but I was fired. It was uh, April 31st, uh, you know, six uh, of 2019, six months into starting the business. And at that point, I was like making $4,000 a month uh, in profits. And driving home, I was like, this is it. It's do or die now. Like I, I'm either going to be all in on this business, which I've seen like some money come out of it or, and honestly, if you think about it, like after taxes and everything, if I didn't, disc- if I, if I said that I didn't make any money uh, and kept the 4,000 versus like my salary after taxes, I was pretty much making the same, if not a little bit more. So I was like, you know, I'm making the same amount of money I was at my job. So why not just, you know, call it a day and, and go all in on this. So I decided to go all in. I said, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, the whole thing collapses and I end up at another engineering job. So, you know, there's nothing's going to happen. Um, but obviously, you know, my, my bills in Connecticut versus my income from the business, it was just too close. And, and I said, I, I got to, you know, cut down my expenses. So packed everything up, uh, got rid of all of my stuff, put, you know, my, my necessities in a car, parked my car uh, at church. And I uh, flew down to Egypt for four months to kind of cut down my expenses while I worked on the business. And, and then when I was there in Egypt, um, you know, didn't have to pay any bills. I think my total monthly expenses were like 500 bucks. Uh, you know, still I had to pay like car insurance and the phone bill, things like that. But uh, really cut down on my expenses and, and I was reinvesting everything into a business. I was putting 10 to 12 hours a day working on the business, but it was easy, right? Because I had my grandma there and she was, you know, take care of a lot of the stuff that I would take care of. Um, the family was there. So it was, it was a good, um, it was good, you know, and I was able to put a lot of time and, and money into the business. So you got fired, you decided, Hey, I'm all in this thing. I've been building for six months. Let's continue that. You decided to cut some expenses, take a little vacay, went to Egypt for four months, really just buried down full time into this thing, got it figured out, came back to the States, got launched on Amazon. I assume I, I think I'm skipping forward. And I launched on Amazon, uh, when I was still at my nine to five. So what, uh, oh. 20 days, yeah, 20 days after that overcommitment at the conference is when I was live on Amazon. 
or, or at the event is when I was live on Amazon. You know, I want to start getting to some of this actionable content, but I think your story is pretty, um, pretty crazy. And there's a lot of people that probably are a little jealous that they haven't gotten fired. And I say that because there's so many people I think that are in the situation where they could break free and they could start doing something themselves, but that's scary, you know? So maybe you were kind of kicked in the tail and, and forced into a situation that maybe you wouldn't have earlier, which is good. You know, it, it motivated you to, like you said, you know, kind of sink or swim. I understand that you come from a background of process engineering and organization, all this good stuff. Because your mind is probably wired much differently than myself and a lot of our listeners, let's talk about some of those things that allowed you to continue building this company. Because, you know, getting started on Amazon is great. You know, starting to build your off Amazon traffic, all the things that you had to do. You're still a one man show, you know, living in Egypt, selling, you know, that that's kind of hard to do. What were some of the things that you had to start putting into place? Or maybe we can start like, what was the realization that you had? Like, Hey, I have to start building systems or I'm never going to be able to scale this. Yeah. So it, qu- very quickly, I went from, you know, maybe let's say spending 20 hour, 15, 20 hours a week on the business to full time. Right. And, and uh, it just seemed like it was very easy to fill that time. Like there was always something to get done. There was always another task and another task. And, uh, next thing I know, I was working again full time, but, uh, you know, I was doing a lot of these things that I said, you know, there's definitely, you don't need me to do this. Like this is, this is not high value stuff. This is a lot of like re- repetitive mundane, uh, you know, tasks that anyone could do. And it just so happened that, you know, I was following a few people. Someone mentioned the E-Myth Revisited and it was like something like, if you don't read this book, then you're never going to scale. You're going to be a, a slave of your business. So I read the book and, and at that point is like, it totally clicked. Uh, you know, I, I was, uh, working in my business, not on my business. I was an employee inside my business working for myself and, you know, I was capped. I was like, all right, I'm already putting 40, 50 hours a week. You know, I can put 50, 60, but at some point I'm going to get capped on the amount of time that I put in and the amount of tasks and everything's on me. And, uh, that's when I realized, okay, I need to really, and everything was kind of just like in my head, right? I'm just doing things from my head, what I think is right. I was like, it's really time to now buckle down and, and, uh, systemize everything and document everything that I'm doing and maybe get some help in. So the first step, uh, for me was I spent two weeks writing down every single task that I've done, it, you know, if for two weeks, every, I audited my, my daily, you know, hour by hour, every minute, uh, I did this, I post on Facebook, I, I make an Instagram post, I write a caption, it would document it. At the end of two weeks, I had a, a big list and I, I uh, prioritized it like highest priority to lowest priority. And I created a Google sheet, table of contents in the first tab. And then every single tab was an, uh, an SOP about a very specific, you know, very small digestible task, uh, you know, w- what to do for that thing. So if it's creating an Instagram post, um, I broke it down into, okay, finding the content, scheduling the content with my designer, reviewing the content. Uh, posting it on later. So it gets, you know, published on Instagram, whatever. You know, so everything was broken down into very small pieces. And then I just went ahead and I did a step-by-step instruction and a video recording. And I said, if you copy exactly what's in that video, then hundred percent, you're, you're basically duplicating me and, you know, set that up. It was a, a big sheet. I think once I had like a, about a hundred, uh, SOPs, uh, I was like, all right, it's time to give this stuff to someone else. Right. Because, you know, if there's videos and everything on it, why doesn't someone else do it? 
someone whose time is, is a lot less valuable than my time, uh, aka a VA. And so created a, a job posting, uh, you know, went online, posted, started interviewing and, and testing candidates and, you know, hired my first candidate. And then from so there, let me let me pause yeah. you for a second. Um, and I do want to get back into the the hiring the candidates. I know you've got some cool stuff you do there. But if you're looking at your business and deciding, hey, I have to systematize these things. How did you decide what was worth systematizing and not? Because some things you're always going to have to do it yourself. But even when you're outsourcing stuff, you have to prioritize. Like, what are the things I have to systemize first? So, and it sounds like you're doing some, you know, regular social media, some off Amazon stuff, some, you know, strictly Amazon stuff. How did you even start to put together the list of what you wanted to systemize first? So the, the, once I had the list of all the actions I was taking, the tasks that I was doing, I prioritized it by what's the highest value task? What is the thing that I cannot hand off? Or if I hand off and it gets done wrong, it's going to damage my business to the lowest task, which is like, what's something that if done wrong, you know, doesn't make a difference. I think uh, someone uh, said it really, really well. And he's like, if you take a, a fresh college graduate, how many uh, hours or, or days or weeks of training will it take for this person to become an expert at that task. And so let's say, okay, social media posts, how many you know days is it going to take for a college graduate to become an expert? Let's say two weeks, two weeks of them doing it every single day, they become an expert. Okay. How about Amazon PPC, for example, how about, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, fi finance creating P and L's, you know, maybe that's going to take like six months. So basically if, if you take that as the gauge, is it how long is it going to take to train someone to do it perfectly or how much can this thing damage your business if it's done incorrectly and then prioritize that way started the low and go all the way up to the high and and um not gonna lie like there's a lot of things that i at the top held on and i said okay i'm never gonna outsource amazon ppc it's it's too important i'm never gonna outsource supply chain and and, and uh, that kind of stuff it's too important but obviously you know we always think it's something that's too important until you hire someone who's just as good or better than you. And then you realize that someone can do everything better than you. And that's something that I have had to figure out myself is that, uh, one, there's a lot of things I suck at, but also it doesn't mean that you can just absolutely outsource everything. If you need social media, it's not like you can just go and find a social media VA and everything is rosy. Like you still have to educate them. You have to give the strategy. Like I have amazing graphic designer on my team. But like, I still have to sit down and say, this is the vision, make it happen, right? So you do have to be involved. You can't outsource all of the decision-making, the creative, but you can outsource the actual operations of it, which is the thing that's the biggest time suck, right? And you said it too, you know, realizing, hey, there's better people than me. I am terrible at bookkeeping. I understand accounting. You know, I went through, you know, college, learned all this stuff, you know, on paper, I could pass the test, but I suck at it. I'm not organized enough. Why would I try to do that myself? And a lot of people think that outsourcing stuff in their business is just an added expense. Well, I can't afford it. Well, I tell people you can't afford not to because if I'm worth a certain amount per hour and it's going to take me seven hours a month to reconcile my books or I could hire a bookkeeper for $100 a month to reconcile it for me, like I can't afford not to do that, right? Because I'm saving myself seven or eight hours a month for 100 bucks. You know, I'm not worth minimum wage, I hope, you know? So, so you have to be able to do that. So 
I understand the, the the concept of basically documenting what you're doing. And there's a lot of cool, cool tools. I know people use Loom, people use Zoom, people use all sorts of ways to, to document their recipes. We can't get too much into that. But the next step is you have to find someone that can actually execute these operations for you. Mm-hmm. How do you go about doing that? You know, we know in the VA space, there's Upwork and there's Fiverr. A lot of junk on there, a few good ones. Uh, people talk about onlinejobs.ph and talk about, you know, all these outsourcing agencies. But essentially, you have no idea if these people are going to be good, if you want to trust them with the operations of your business, because your success or failure is going to depend on them. So how do you start finding someone that you can bring onto your team? Okay, so it first starts with the job posting. Uh, I'm going to talk about job sites in a second, but with the job posting, uh, it, it obviously is going to describe the business, the tasks, all of that kind of stuff. But on top of that, it's also going to have a, a little bit of a hurdle in there. So when I say hurdle, you can't just let anyone apply for the job. It has to be someone who's going to, you know, read the, the, the job posting, understand it, and maybe jump through a, a few hoops. So a couple of things that I do is, you know, I ask them to write, uh, uh, to first of all, find the owner of Performance Nut Butter, which is my friend's company, and say, I want to work for you. And then the name of the owner of Performance Nut Butter. So right away in the subject line, if I don't see that I want I want to work for you, Travis Marziani, then I just completely ignore uh, the application. And, and that's been able to kind of like, it, it cut down my applications from 150 to actually 50 who, who got that right. The second thing is obviously because they're VAs, I really care about uh, you know, they're how detail oriented they are and as well as like how good their English is. So I'll, I'll pick a very odd topic and I'll say, I want you to write exactly 300 words uh, on this topic. Uh, if, it, if you're over or under the 300 words, uh, your application is going to get disqualified. So again, that, that's like a, it's, it's kind of stupid, right? But it's a hurdle because you have to write something meaningful and then you have to keep editing it until it's at 300 words. words. And if you jump through those two hoops, First of all, I understand that you speak English, you're good at English, you, you're following details, uh, you're following like the, the details and instructions correctly. That passes you on to the next step. Now, the next step is I'm like, okay, everything is good. You guys look good. Uh, here's a test. And the test is about six questions. There's no right or wrong answer. It's mainly, uh, you know, stuff related to their uh, jobs and, and duties or whatever. Uh, but it's enough for me to see their like, uh, you know, their mental aptitude, how analytically they think, are they just, you know, robots following orders or, you know, you tell someone, Hey, uh, you know, please sort this by first name, last name. And then you have, uh, let, let's say something like 1201 Campbell. Uh, this is something that I include. And so many people, they'll just break it up into 1201 and then Campbell. And I'm like, did you, it never occur to you that 1201 Campbell is, is not a name. It's an address. And then maybe say a remark, like this is not a, a name, you know? So, and so th- that's what I'm looking for in people, people who are not just like whatever, like following it. It's just like, okay, let me actually like think about this before doing it. And they screen record the entire thing. So as I watch the screen recordings and now I have like a couple layers, I have a recruiter that watches screen recording and then an employee. And then me, um, if it goes, you know, to that point, but, um, I watched the screen recording and I'm like, okay, this person, like she didn't understand, uh, you know, how to choose the best hashtag for Instagram, but she, she looked it up on Google and then she read three articles. And then the article said, you want one, you know, high search volume, one medium, whatever. And I'm like, that's good enough. Like this is a resourceful person who didn't know what to do and then followed that step. So 
after going through these, after watching their, their videos, I also uh, do a personality test because I think personality test fits are very, very important. If you're someone that's um, going to follow like very detailed, like you're not going to do uh, like a lot of th critical thinking. It's a lot of like, uh, you know, the, the, the busy work. I'm looking for someone who's more like a, an advocate uh, personality type, uh, but I'm looking for like a commander or a protagonist uh, when I'm looking for someone who's going to take over a project, someone who's going to take ownership, someone who's not afraid to tell me, no, you're wrong. Like one of my guys uh, who manages like all the PPC and stuff, a lot of times I tell him do this and he says, nah, I don't think that's right. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm busy and I'm doing many different things. And a lot of times he's right because he's in the work day in and day out. And for me, I'm, I'm like, I look at something briefly. I'm like, we should do this. And he's like, no, actually, I don't think we should do that. And that's kind of like the type of personality for that job role that you need. And so um, it, it's a combination of all of those. And then the finalists get an interview and, you know, interview is interview. And, uh, you know, I, I feel out what they're looking for, what their goals are what they're trying to get out of this position and so on and so forth. You've got your SOPs documented. You've got, and, and I feel like this list that I'm going through right now are, are some of the things that we as sometimes uh, disorganized entrepreneurs need to be focusing on the most. You've got your SOPs, you've got your documentation and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't even actually have to fully document this. Like you can hire people to do that. Like I can do a loom video walking people through and I can tell my VAs, Hey, turn this into a document with to-do lists and checkoffs and all that stuff. That, that's exactly what I do right now, now, but I didn't have an employee back then. So we have SOPs. We have uh, ways in which to find employees uh, that we can hire. The third component that I find most critical is a project management system, right? And I use it for communications. I use it for accountability, use it for organization of assets and media and, and documentation. What type of project management systems or platforms or services do you see as being the most beneficial for, you know, your typical e-com seller? And what, what do you recommend? Okay. So, so I think that the most beneficial thing is, is always going to depend on where you are. I don't like to overcomplicate things. So for me, uh, like my to-do list, I know there's so many apps and all this crazy stuff is still on a Google sheet. Um, and so what I did, what I started was I used Trello. And, and, uh, and then later on, I used Trello in combination with Lucidchart, and, and I'll explain. So uh, on Trello, uh, it's, it's very simple. It's a board, and you can have these like little lists. So one is going to be, uh, you know, to do, in progress, ready for review, completed. And very simple. Every time I have uh, a task that I need this uh, employee to do, I'll send them the task, and it's their job to ask me what the priority of the task is, and what the due date of the task is, and they'll create a card with all the relevant information in that to-do list. And then every day as they work on something, they'll move it into the in-progress. So I can visually see, okay, they're, they're in progress on that task. I see where it is, or they haven't started it. Hey, uh, you know, John, why haven't you started this task? I assigned it a, a week ago. And maybe it's something like they misunderstood the, the priority or the due date of it. And then ready for review, is a, a list of all the things that are ready for me to review. And so that's kind of my, like on my to-do list, review everything, make sure everything is good. Eventually, you know, you can completely let go of that and say, okay, I trust your work. Um, and then, you know, obviously when it's completed, it's completed. And then on top of that, there is a daily checklist. So the daily checklist is a card that has a checklist in it. And it's a list of every single thing that I want this employee to either work on or check 
every day. So, uh, you know, check to make sure that there is nothing stuck in the backlog. Answer all the uh, customer support messages. Uh, schedule two posts on Instagram, da, 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 da. And so it's dated daily checklist and today's date. And then every day they open it. And this way it's a checklist. So as soon as they get anything done, they check it off. This, even if you don't have to do anything with that task, maybe it's like check to make sure there's no customer messages. They check because there's no customer messages or we're good. You know, there's no replies that need to happen. That's fine. But it's a, a way for them to not miss any tasks. Once they're done, they move that, uh, you know, daily checklist to completed and they duplicate the daily checklist with a new date. And this way, if there's any missed tasks or anything like that, I can always check uh, and see. Then to take that a, a step further uh, and kind of you know make it a little bit more advanced, I use Lucidchart for visual uh, flowcharts. And now with the Lucidchart, I'll break down any process in my business into a flowchart. So let's say the supply chain process. From the second that I think of a, a product all the way to its final production, that's a process. The reordering process. From the inventory check all the way down to the you know PO to the you know uh, shipping plan whatever da 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 until it's checked into Amazon and you check that all the in, uh, units are have, have checked in, that's a process. Same with w- whatever anything. And so once you have a visual process in Lucidchart, every task you uh, or every box I guess inside it you can add SOPs. So you can say okay you know first of all check inventory and then that can have a, an SOP within it. And so I kind of layer it like that where every piece of my business is a workflow and inside those workflows, there's SOPs. And so anyone can kind of go in and, and I'll be like, Hey man, like I'm sick, right? I'm really sick. Please go look at the, the, the flow chart for reordering, watch all the videos on the, understand all the SOPs and like, you know, go do it. And that's kind of like the goal with that. And eventually the goal is it's very easy for us to visualize everything that's happening in the business is very repeatable and i can see where the the chinks in the chain are i can see okay this is our system right here is where you know it's taking too long or or issues are happening and this is why i can you know let's fix this issue let's let's do better tracking in in this area and things like that so that's kind of you know what i would do and this can take you from zero to to 99%. And then if you, if you're looking for that 1% better, you can use something like ClickUp or Notion, which will host a lot of stuff in there. Um, but for me, I'm a very simple guy, right? All I need is, uh, you know, somewhere to document my SOPs, Google Sheets, uh, you know, videos uh, where you can record the video. You can either get the Loom Professional or I use OBS Screen Recorder and everything is hosted on my, my Google Drive on G Suite. Uh, I have Trello for project management and task management. And uh, you can have like an entire project where all of the tasks are empty. And it's like, okay, we're launching a new product. Uh, You know, you you need to do this and this and this and this and like every single task, like the label, uh, the the listing images, uh, enhanced brand, whatever. It's all in a list. And, uh, you know, you just move it to in progress. And then when it gets done, you move it to ready for review. And as you move the tasks, your goal is to completely move all of the tasks from to do to completed. Um, and then for employee management, it's like they know what their tasks are because I tell them a task and I can visually see that it's on their board. I can see what they're working on every day. They have a checklist so they never miss a beat. They Like anything that they need to check on, it's always there. And, um, and they can also use the Trello board to kind of store documents if you want to save your passwords, if you want to save it, like useful Excel sheets or, or resources, or whatever, it can all, you know, ha- have it, it can have its own list of like resources. And it's as simple as that. And 
I'm sure, as you just said, that it's as simple as that. Some people are rolling their eyes going, well, that doesn't sound very simple. But let me reassure everybody. The project management and organization system is not that difficult. And you're already doing the difficult part, which is figuring out the actual tasks are going to be. You're all already doing it. So all we're saying is instead of just doing this over and over and over and over and over and repeating these same tasks day after day or week after week, spend a little bit of time and just document what you're doing that well, you only have to do it once. And that gives you an opportunity to outsource, let somebody else do it. And it also gives you, this is really important to me, uh, clarification on expectations, right? Because if you have an SOP, if someone doesn't do something, you can ask yourself, did they screw up or did I screw up? Because until I started doing SOPs, a lot of times I realized, man, I'm the one screwing up because um, maybe I didn't, you know, tell them clearly. And SOPs hold me accountable too. Because if I go to an employee and say, man, why didn't you do this right? They're like, look, Tim, this is the SOP you gave me. I did it perfectly. Right. So it's just like this level of accountability that, that will allow you to evaluate. Does a system work? Does a process work? Does this employee, you know, are they effective at what they're doing or am I effective at what I'm doing? Like, am I the one that's always causing the breakdown of the problem here? So again, I just want to re, you know, affirm to everybody that what we're talking about is not rocket science. It's not super difficult. It's not complicated. It's just a little bit complex, meaning you have to get a couple other systems in place, platforms, tools, whatever it is, but this can be done. And Mina, would you agree with me when I say, and and I do believe this statement, but tell me if you agree with me, if you don't start thinking, and I'm speaking when I say, if you, I'm talking to the listeners, the entrepreneurs, the people that maybe are just getting a business started or even the ones that are scaling rapidly. If you don't have systems and policies and procedures in place, you will not grow to your full potential. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you won't grow. Uh, if you grow, like let's say you're an amazing person and you hire amazing people around you and there's no SOPs and and like I've seen people like that, it, it will be so stressful and so hectic and, and so like it's chaotic. And, and, uh, for me, I'm like, I'm an engineer, like I'm a person. If you like come and see my house, like everything is organized, like by size. And it's like, I can't, uh, you know, and, and just having that organization, having those procedures documented, it just makes your life easier. It, it allows you to remove yourself from the business, which is, you know, I mean, I should always be working on the next big thing. Like, Okay, I got uh, you know this down. What's what's next? Okay, Facebook ads. Let's figure this out. Let's get it down. Okay, what's next? And so on. You're the founder. You're the visionary. You're the leader. You should be leading your team, um, not inside your business. Like you know, you wouldn't be packing boxes and, and putting them in, in envelopes and uh, you know shipping it out to to customers. So if if you're not doing that, then it's the same with anything else in your business. You always should. I mean, for me at least, I'm always looking for what's the next thing. I can work on and I'll, I can never just hand off anything and hope for the best because if that employee leaves, I'm screwed because then the next employee is going to come in and now I have to spend 10 hours, 12 hours with that employee, explain to them how things are done versus, hey, can you watch these like 10 videos uh, like three times until like you've memorized them? Okay, you're good. Let's try doing it once together. We do it once together. You got it. You, you did exactly what's in the videos. Everything is good. And I've tried hiring an employee without SOPs and I, I failed miserably. And I thought it was the employee's fault, uh, but it wasn't. It was my fault because I was kind of saying, do this and do that. And then he was interpreting it however he wanted to interpret it because that, you know, things get lost in interpretation. And he was giving me what he thought was, you know, his interpretation of what I wanted. But because there was no expectations, there was no, no documentation of anything, 
uh, you know, kind of didn't work out. And one thing uh, you know, I want to add to is it's a, a never ending process. So once you get it down and, and you delegate everything that you're doing right now, or let's say 95% of everything you're doing right now to someone in, in another three months, do the same practice of documenting everything that you're doing again and say, there's honestly not been one thing that I have not been able to delegate because uh, like I know who I am. I a hundred percent know that there's people as good as me or, and better in, in anything out there. Like I'm not like, I'm good at a lot of things, but I'm not the best in the world at like P and I'm not the best in the world at something, not enough where I can give someone 40 hours a week to work on that thing. So at the end of the day, I'm a hundred percent sure the founders of Nike and Pepsi and, and, you know, those massive companies, there's nothing that, that they, when they did in year one or two or three or four or five, that they're still doing now. Like they found really good people, better people to take it over. And, and even if you, you hire someone really good, I think SOPs, yeah, like it's a certain point. It's not like, Hey, just, you know, you bring someone, you give them $120,000 a year salary and you're like, follow this SOPs. Obviously not, right? You're bringing someone super high value to, to, you know, add that talent. But it's like, here's a benchmark, right? Here's what we're doing. Here's our regular business systems. And then that person can be like, okay, I get, I see now what our foundation is, what our benchmark is. Let's take it to the next level. Let's figure out all the issues. And, and, um, so even if you're hiring super, super talented for that position, you still need a baseline of this is a benchmark. This is what we're doing right now. And it'll allow you to onboard employees like 10 times faster. Amazing. It's all good advice. And for those of you listening, this is advice coming from an accidental entrepreneur, right? Someone that had to figure this out only in the past couple of years. You know, this is all pretty recent. I know we need to go ahead and wrap up because we're running out of time. But I mean, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody at the end of the episodes lately. As you were trying to figure out how to go from being a corporate engineer employee to a business owner, you had to learn a lot. And I suspect that you went out and found some really good books. You've talked about E-Myth Revisited. Maybe that's the one. But if you had to go to your bookshelf right now and pull one book off that you suggest everybody else read that had such a profound impact that you couldn't live without it, what would that book be? Yeah. So other than that, I would say Good to Great by Jim Collins. I think uh, that one is, is incredible. Um, and, and it really, it covers so much, um, important stuff. And, and, you know, when I'm talking about like business, like stuff that's practically applicable to businesses, like not mindset or not motivation stuff, it's other than the E-Myth Revisited, it would be that one. Good to great. Awesome. Good to great. And E-Myth Revisited, you've shouted out a few times. Thank you, Mina, for being on. Thank you for coming on the podcast, sharing this information. Congrats on getting fired and getting forced into all this crazy stuff. I know that you and I have been, uh, I guess, Facebook friends and seen each other around for a couple of years now. And because of COVID, never got to meet. And we're about to change that, right? Yes, this Saturday. Yep, this Saturday. We're um, we're recording this, folks. I know most of you figured out there's a little delay here. Um, this Saturday, I'm headed out to California, the West Coast, right before the Prosper Show, which is going to be good. Get to meet uh, meet and catch up with a lot of folks that I haven't seen in a long time, and maybe even in the case like Mina's, never met in person at all. So it's going to be super exciting. Look forward to meeting you. Thanks for being on again, Mina. If someone wanted to track you down and, and see more of what you've got going on in life, how could they find you? Uh, Facebook is the best way, Mina space Elias. Uh, and then Instagram at Egyptian underscore prescription underscore Elias. Send me messages and, uh, you know, more than happy to help and answer. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for being on. Thank you all for listening. Hope you found some value in this episode. If you did, make sure to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're watching this on YouTube, drop us a thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Go to ampmpodcast.com for transcribed versions of all of our podcasts that you can read at your leisure, as well as uh, close to 250 other, little over 250 other episodes. Really good stuff. So thank you again, Mina, for being on. Thank you, listeners, for being here. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace.